You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hi, everyone. It's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Show. I hope these talks give you a little bit of inspiration to keep practicing and make your world a better place. Yoga is more than just a physical practice. It's a lifelong spiritual journey, and we constantly need sustenance to help us stay on the path. So I hope you find that sustenance right here. And I look forward to seeing you on the mat. There's a very clear distinction between the practice of sati, which is mindfulness, and the practice of metta. When you practice those two different types of practices, this is extremely important for you to understand the difference. When we practice mindfulness, sati, there is no visualization. There is no imagination in sati. When we're cultivating awareness of what is, yata bhuta, where what is simply is, then we must stay grounded in the reality of the sensations that arise. So we cannot have any visualization. We cannot detach from our experience. If you're sitting with a lot of intense emotions, for example, you just sit there and you all you can be is angry and anxious and these sorts of things. Many people think, oh, I, I can't meditate. I better get out of here and go for a walk or do some other type of journaling or this type of work or that type of work. Well, actually, one of the benefits of meditation is to teach you how to sit with what sometimes is described as existential pain which is the pain that we carry within our hearts, but is unexpressed in our day-to-day lives. And this is more what is meant by the word that we hear in the teaching of yoga and the teaching of the Buddha as dukkha, the Sanskrit word and the Pali word dukkha. Sometimes we hear this dukkha and we think pain. We think, oh, this means when my foot is hurting. Oh, this pain that I said, suffering, this suffering. I am suffering when my knee is injured or I'm suffering when, you know, it's too cold or it's too hot and I'm sweating. I'm suffering when I have an itch and I can't scratch it. Yes, for sure you're suffering when that happens, but very deep meditation practices after a while train you to sit with that existential suffering, that, 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 that deep pain that is underneath your thoughts and underneath the busyness and distractions of life. You know, that's why sitting is very intimidating for many people. There's something in us that knows, well, gosh, if I sit there, I'm going to experience a bunch of stuff and I'm not really sure I'm prepared for that. It's like an instinct that knows that we're carrying that deep existential suffering within ourselves. So when you sit and anger, frustration, irritation, or other negativities arise. Recognize that you're actually touching just the tip of the iceberg of that existential suffering, and that rather than failing in meditation, you're succeeding. As long as you do not react to that anger, as long as, oh, anger, oh, good, let me be more angry. Let me find out what I'm angry about. Let me compose an angry email in my head and, you know, start to write an angry blog while I'm meditating. As long as you're not doing that, as long as you're observing, oh, anger is present. 
anger is present. You can get granular in the feeling of anger, tension in my jaw, uh, heating sensations rising through the back, uh, pulsating sensations, shaking sensations, and other, other feelings of tension, these sorts of things. We can get very, very granular about that. So uh, when, one other thing I wanted to talk about before we take a look at the questions that are in, um, in the chat is the difference, again, between sati. I'm talking about sati. We're cultivating this attitude of observing what is. And then we make the transition to the metta practice. And I mentioned in the practice of mindfulness, there is no visualization. There is no imagination. There is no, you know, uh, fantasy. But in the metta practice, we are moving into what we could consider to be a create the power of creation through uh, conscious thinking and visualization using a little bit of the creative power of the mind to consciously plant new thoughts. Thoughts, images, feelings, sensations are all tied together. So when we say, may I be happy? There's sometimes an image that arises us arises with that when uh, when when you move into the heart center and you feel and you feel the heart there may be an image that arises I mean you feel the heart moving breath moving in breath moving out when you think about all the beings in your neighborhood you may have an image of all those beings in your neighborhood and you may feel connected in that way and this is this is an acceptable thing to do in the meta practice when we engage in uh, positive visualizations, like affirmations, thinking, you know, planting new thoughts like I am worthy, I'm successful, I'm worthy of the success I seek, those sorts of things. That's a form of metta. It's a form of filling up the heart within. And this is a really, really, really useful thing to do. However, many people say, oh, I love this metta practice. But this sati practice, this is just very boring. I don't want to sit there and just feel my breath moving in, my breath moving out. My breath moving is so boring. I want to just generate love. Love feels so good. I want to just feel love moving in, love moving out. I love this plant. I love this, you know, TV. I love pizza. I love trees. I love the sky. I love everything. Oh, I love, love, love. I want to just be a love bug. Oh no, this does not work, unfortunately, because if you don't deal with the existential suffering that you carry within your heart. This is like trying to plant a flowering fertile garden when the garden is filled with weeds. Those weeds will choke out all of those seeds that you plant. So it must do some gardening properly. If you want to plant nice plants and have them fruit and flower and give you very sweet fruits, then you have to remove the old weeds. We first practice sati, then practice metta. One of the reasons that so much of our contemporary culture, self-help, self-improvement culture of positive affirmations and visualizations seems to fall flat. You might be saying these same visualizations year after year, year after year. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Yet every month you're struggling and cannot pay the bills. You're thinking, oh, this doesn't work. This is just, they're selling me some snake oil, you know? So, you know, when we're thinking that actually what's going on is that if you don't remove those negative thoughts which are deeply implanted in the field of the subconscious mind, those positive affirmations will just get choked out by the depth of the roots of those old weeds. If you mow the lawn, but you don't remove the roots, 
even though that the new plant, the new plants of love, those positive affirmations may appear to come up and sprout very quickly, those deep roots of the old patterns will suffocate those new thoughts and you'll be back to square one all over again. And this is what many people feel. I just keep trying to do the work, but I don't feel that it makes any improvement. And we feel overwhelmed. Then we quit. But this is why you're here now to understand that the yoga path, meditation path, is a real technique to get in there and kind of deprogram the old habit pattern of the mind so that we can really truly embrace those seeds of new thoughts, of, of metta. Now, some of you might not have experienced any pain at all, and wonderful, I congratulate you. That was awesome. Good for you. You didn't experience any pain. Some people don't experience any pain in meditation. Great, wonderful. Sometimes you sit and there's no pain. Ah, wonderful. However, next time you sit, if you join the next meditation, don't come in with the expectation, oh, I'm ready for my 30 minutes of bliss. Here it goes. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm ready for it. Please deliver bliss to me. Because as soon as you say that, you know what is coming for you? Pain. Pain worse than it would have been had you simply said, let me just sit and experience whatever comes up. As soon as you have the expectation, it must be this high, this vast high, immediately the low is unbearable. Even neutral is unbearable. If you have this vast, vast high expectation, here I am, I'm ready for bliss, then even just not bliss is suffering. But if you come in and you realize, oh, there's no expectation, then okay, it is neutral. Okay, then pain is there. Pain is there. Then it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to simply remain equanimous and meditative. So we practice equanimity, which means not being attached to pleasure, which means not being grasping or clinging to pleasure. And at the same time, not being pushing against or averting from pain. The Buddha used the word tanha to describe both craving and clinging or craving and aversion. And tanha translates from the Pali language and the language of those days, his days, the Buddha's days. Tanha translates into English as thirst. So I want you to think about the last time you were thirsty. Just think about that. Thirsty. It's like the concept of thirsty. You know, I'm parched. I'm thirsty. I need a drink. When you had that dry mouth feeling, you know, what do you would do to quench that thirst in that moment? I need a drink. I need to get some water. Please use some water. I got to stop and buy a bottle of water. You know, now no more water fountains are available. So you know, drink some water to get some water. So if we think about thirsts, okay, you're thirsty for water. That's reasonable. Your body needs water. But what are we, what are we working with in the yoga practice, the spiritual path of awakening? We're trying to practice the thirst that leads to planting the seeds of suffering. So if we can practice not reacting or not being thirsty in the face of the exact circumstances with which have led us to plant the plants of suffering, plant the plants of you know, craving and aversion, then naturally that pattern will lessen. Naturally, we will slowly start to stop the inertia and the growth cycle of our old habit patterns of the past. We will learn what it means to be free from thirst. And this is a, a, a difficult concept to understand that that possibility exists, that it's out there. But we have some moments here or there where we're able to remain equanimous and then those grow and grow and grow. Everyone here, I'm sure you can think about 
the person you were before you started practicing yoga or meditation and think about the person you are now. And I bet you can think of at least one thing used to really bother you. Just one thing that you just couldn't stand that now, well, it's just not such a big deal anymore. You know, that thing still exists. It's still there being its annoying little self. You did not change that, but something in you has changed. Your thirst is gone. So when that arises, you no longer have to eradicate it. You no longer have to grasp for it. You just be. And that is the freedom that's possible once we eliminate all thirsts. When there are no more craving, no more aversion, no more grasping, no more clinging. And that's, the, that's kind of the work we're doing here. Okay, I'm going to pop into the chat because I see there are many things look like very interesting experiences or questions coming into the chats. Let's see. So Sophie is asking a question. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for joining and asking your question. Sophie says, I felt like I went on a little journey. I got a little lost and then came back. Is it usual to feel the body slouch? And it is okay. Is it okay to move back into a taller seat if you find yourself slouching? Sophie, good question. I think that almost everybody, we find that sometimes we're slouching in the middle of our meditation practice. You did not tell yourself, hey body, you know what? Go ahead and slouch now. You were meditating, you were trying, you were focusing on your breath, your breath in, your breath out. Suddenly the body is slouching. There are numerous reasons for this. Number one, usually tired. We become tired. And then we're half fall asleep. At that moment, straighten up again. Number two, there is a, a and this, this, this second one is more subtle and it's going to be very difficult to, um, uh, it'll be a little challenging for you to, for everyone to uh, really understand this. So, so mm, mm, as my teachers in India would say, listen properly. It sounds a little funny when I say it, so don't be offended. So, so listen closely, okay? So the pattern of slouching, if it's not related to sleeping, if you're sleepy, you're sleepy. Yeah. If you're sleepy, you have to go sleep and take a nap and then you can meditate again. You get better sleep at night. It's just reality. And the second thing that comes up is that there is an unconscious pattern that pre-reacts to pain that has yet not made it to the field of the conscious mind. And the subconscious mind is pre-reacting to a pain that it senses and knows is yet imminent, but the awareness of that pain has not arrived to the field of the conscious mind. You are not consciously aware that you're in pain. However, the subconscious mind knows that if you maintain the same posture, a pain that it does not want to feel, a pain that it has a pattern of aversion towards is coming. So rather than feel that pain, the subconscious mind slouches the body. It runs towards perceived pleasure and it averts from the perception of pain happening entirely within the field of the subconscious mind. You only become conscious of the reaction once the fruits of the reaction are presented to you once you slouched. 
This is a very, very interesting pattern to work with in meditation. So what you can do, you have to become more vigilant, more attentive, and you need to look for this moment. I must be aware as I'm meditating of the moment before I slouch. You must become conscious of that moment before the slouching happens. And what will be waiting for you is that pain which your conscious mind has not been aware of, but which your subconscious mind has been reacting to all this time and perhaps for your entire life. And that is a wonderful moment of liberation because if you are not conscious of the reaction patterns, you cannot be free of them. And by becoming conscious of your reaction patterns, you have a hope, a hope, and perhaps even a promise that one day you will become free of them. Mm -hmm. So, I hope that was useful. Now we will go for a few more questions before we end today. Mm, this is an interesting question from one of the students who has joined. You have not written your name, so I cannot say hi to you by your name. So hi, dear student. Mm, your question is, how do you deal with negative thoughts coming up during meta practice? How can I learn to deal with them or give them love too? Mm, very good question. Very, very good question. What can you do if suddenly you're trying to send love to your neighbor and then immediately you think, my neighbor's a jerk, all right? And that's very difficult. Oh, I send love to all beings. Oh, but not that one. This one is extremely annoying. I don't like this one. So now you have to identify that there are some beings who are problem beings. Now, sometimes when we cultivate metta, Sometimes the problem being is ourself. When we start thinking, may I be happy? If you have deep feelings of unworthiness within yourself, self-directed negativity, especially subconscious self-directed negativity, self-hate, self-loathing, as soon as you say, may I be filled with love, that seed of self-directed negativity gets triggered. Ah, what are you doing? You're not worthy of love, who are you? What did you do? What's your problem? This is ridiculous. You think this is gonna work? So then that old pattern gets triggered. Meta practice is very difficult for you. So now we have to think very consciously, oh, I'm not fit to practice self-meta. I'm also not fit to send meta to all beings. So then you practice meta to any one being that you love, and that's it. So say you have a cute dog, you love your dog, or you have a very cute cat, you love your cat, oh, I love my cat. Just practice metta towards that being which you love dearly and no other beings. Do that for a little while. And then maybe you can find being that is neutral to you and you have to be specific. Oh, my cat, so cute, so innocent. Love my cat. I love my cat. I send love to my and you, you will feel love. You'll be generating love. I love my cat. Then maybe you can think, I love all cats. Oh, all cats, oh, wonderful cats are so nice. So then maybe you can make that transition. So one cat to all cats. If humans are annoying, leave the humans. Just send meta to cats. Then you can think, oh, there are different types of cats. Let me start sending meta to different types of cats. Oh, all the lions of the world, I send you meta. All the tigers of the world, big cats, I send you meta. All the wild cats, I send you meta. All the snow leopards, I send snow leopards. Love all panthers, I send panthers. Love all leopards, love to leopards. Bengal cats and Siamese cats and fluffy cats and, you know, big cats, small cats, kittens, old cats, all types of cats. You can go crazy with cats and just do cat meta. 
So you're going to pick some, some being that you can love purely and just let that be your meta practice. If you find yourself annoying, don't worry about yourself. Just feeling love is, is enough for now. If you don't like cats, okay, you don't like cats, no problem. Maybe you like dogs then, then do the same with dogs. You don't like cats or dogs, I don't know. Maybe you like snakes, then send love to snakes. You don't like any animals, you must like some fruits. So you like bananas, oh, all banana trees. I love bananas, bananas, bananas. Everybody's going bananas. You find something you love and you send meta to that and try to expand the window within that being. It sounds maybe silly, but you need to practice generating love. And so if you cannot be in a space of pure love, then you have to find what object makes me in the space of pure love. Whoever, whatever that object is, you hold that as a thread through your whole meta practice. And then this is, this is extreme, it's extremely important because you don't, you know, you don't want to be sending love and then think, uh, that person's a jerk. You know, then, then you've got to go back to Sati. I observe I'm feeling anger towards my neighbor. My neighbor is a jerk. I observe, oh, look, when I think my neighbor is a jerk, my body is on fire. My breathing is rapid. You know, I feel tension in my jaw and I feel I want to punch the neighbor. Wonderful. Okay, let me sit with that person. I need to go back to Sati for a little while. Let me try to forgive the neighbor. No, I hate him. Okay, I try to forgive myself for hating him. No, I hate myself. Okay, I better just focus on the breath for another hour. Then you have lost the, the purpose of Sati. So be very aware of um, your past patterns of the mind so that you can better, you know, you can better practice metta. And you want to make it real, you know, real. You choose the object that's most agreeable to you. Over time, soon you can move from cats and dogs maybe to just one other being, if one other human being. At least there's one human being on the planet Earth, whether alive or not alive, that you can think of. Oh, this being is pure. Let me love this being. It can be some historical figure. Oh, Gandhi. I love Gandhi. Let me send love to Gandhi. Who doesn't love Gandhi? You know, maybe not the British. I don't know. So then we can think about, uh, you know, I find some figure that you just love. And then you can, you can move in that way too. And then slowly, okay, if this being, maybe there's three beings, maybe other beings like that. Sometimes people can practice metta with devotion to, um, uh, you know, a spiritual figure. You know, if you have such devotion to some, some, some spiritual figure, it could be your yoga teacher, it could be a, a saint or sadhu that you have a relationship with, it can be the Buddha, you can love the Buddha. Who doesn't love the Buddha? Oh, what a saintly being. You, if you have a strong relationship with Jesus, you can do metta to Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We really think about it. who doesn't love Jesus, you know? Who doesn't love the Buddha? But you know, that, that, some people don't like that. So again, go back to cats, not a problem. Cats are wonderful, very cute cute innocent beings okay some cute being sometimes babies are also wonderful so you have a newborn baby as long as they don't cry too much then maybe you can think oh this wonderful little being all the beings little beings sometimes small cute beings of any any type are useful so maybe we're gonna go for one more question today so let's see hmm this is a good question if i practice ashtanga yoga when should i practice meditation before or after the practice or is it irrelevant meditation is never irrelevant meditation is a vital component of the spiritual practice asana is not a replacement for meditation yoga poses are not a replacement for cultivating the state of mindfulness i like to sit twice a day but this is overwhelming for many people i sit first thing in the morning and last thing at night 
first thing in the morning, uh, before, before this is extremely important before for me, extremely important. Maybe it works for you. Maybe not for me. Very important. I sit before I write any emails. I sit before I answer any text messages. I sit before I look at the news. I might look at the weather before I sit because I like to know if I'm going to be freezing or not. I'm like, Oh, it's cold. I better put on the sweater. So sometimes I look at the weather. I allow that weather. Let me see. Is it going to be cold? Do I need a sweater? Can I not be a sweater? Try to be comfortable when I'm sitting. I like to sit before I talk to anyone. This is hard for those of you that know my husband. He talks a lot. They say that men don't talk. I don't know who says that. They haven't met my husband. He talks sometimes between the two of us. Sometimes I think he talks more than I do. So then in the morning, then we have this exhibition. Hey man, he's going to come and say things, but, uh, and he's very funny anyhow. So except if you try to film him being funny, anyhow, in the morning, I try, I really try not to talk to him before I meditate. It's really important for me. Also, last thing before I go to bed, I like really to meditate and then no more technology after meditation. No more technology after meditation. I want my mind to be in the state of flow that I have generated and then sleep. If I go looking at the phone before sleep, then I don't sleep well. So I really, I really like that. Now, that being said, I'm not telling you to do that. If you're new to meditation and meditation feels overwhelming, one of the best times to meditate is directly after your practice. When you get up from Shavasana, because you've just worked asana, 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 your body is very calm. Mind and body are in a deep state of harmony. Oh, wonderful. Now you can more likely enter a subtle experience of sati. Now you can more likely enter a calm, quiet space within. So you can try that after you practice. Now we will be doing these meditations every Sunday and we will be supporting this uh, month of practice with the, uh, with these live classes and we'll do the live meditations on Sundays, which you can join. I am, we are recording this and I'm also recording the audio. I think we'll probably release the talk on the podcasts. Um, we'll see. I wanted to be closer so I could see you. So sometimes I set up a camera a little further away, but I didn't sit in the talk. I wanted to see everyone. So you'll have access to this again eventually. Uh, then on Wednesdays, we'll be doing a totally different vibration than what we've just done today. We'll be doing, a, I think it's a one hour experience of all of the core drills that are put together in the challenge. And I would recommend if you want to really do both aspects of the challenge, you do the, the, you know, do the meditation video first and then do the core video or you, you see which one works better for you based on your schedule. And they're all going to be pretty short. So you won't, you'll be able to fit them into your daily, you know, your daily life. And, uh, yeah. And if there are questions, phys practical, physical questions about the yoga practice, you're going to save those for Wednesday after we do the practice. And then I'll see you on Wednesday at one o'clock. It was really nice to share this time with you. And I really appreciate each of you for being a part of our OMSTARS family, for taking this time to sit with me today. I really enjoy sharing the space of sitting and sharing the spiritual path with each of you. So thanks again so much for today. I send you a lot of love and I'll see you real soon. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Yoga Inspiration Show. 
It's always a pleasure to share the inner space of the yoga journey with you. Remember, you can always find me online at omstars.com, www.omstars.com, and on my YouTube channel and all social media at Kino Yoga. I look forward to seeing you on the mat, and more than anything, I hope you take the inspiration to practice yoga and make your world a better place. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.